Kyla is not here. She has strep throat, so um, she is dying. And yeah. if she isn't dying, she will be killed. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers for <laughs> Kyla. It's like we go on Facebook and we're like, oh, we can't go into too much, but but we just need some prayers right now for the podcast host. <laughs> I would die. I'm pretty sure I would have to secede from the podcast. But you know what I mean when some people do that and it's yeah. something so small. Like if it's serious, we okay, but a lot of times details, it's just like their dog ran away. We need thoughts and prayers and it's like okay, like <laughs> Scrubby ran sorry, off. <laughs> sorry to keep you waiting, but Kyla had a black mold problem in her apartment. And she had to to move again. And we had to wait for her to process it before we came out publicly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Honestly, we probably would have to wait for her to process it. Well, I'm Kirsten. I almost said I'm Kyla. That's funny. I'm Kirsten. (laughs) I'm Joshua. Neither of us are Kyla, no matter what she tries to tell you. And this is the weird and suspicious. That's weird. That's suspicious. Imagine we just took turns pretending to be Kyla and we just talked in a different voice. I don't think I could mimic her voice, though, to be honest. Oh, neither could I. I honestly thinking don't even remember what her voice sounds like so it would like, be interesting i can but like when you like people are like oh i can talk like britney spears and ariana grande and i'm like how can you know what you sound like like i know what i sound like but i can't know what i sound like and then somehow translate that into a different voice to mimic someone else's i feel like famous people are easier to do that with just because it's less about the actual pitch of their voice and more about like their cadences Mannerisms and I feel and like stuff. yeah and I feel like famous people like I don't want to call them fake but you have to be fake to an extent if you're in front of cameras all the time yeah and so it's already like drilled down to a science like how they act and most have to, like, get rid of, like, a lot of the way, like, their accents and stuff and have an all, and, like, not necessarily now when they're on camera, but when you're you're on camera. So, like, what we all know them to sound like, unless we, like, mm-hmm. listen to interviews and stuff, which, to be honest, not many of us do. What is a compliment that you wish that you received more frequently? Oh, Lord. I don't like compliments. They make me uncomfortable. So Josh is like, absolutely no compliment. Yeah. Not like crazy uncomfortable. Like sometimes, like they're probably fine, but like. Are you thinking more like superficial compliments? Yeah, probably. Because in my head, I'm like, I wish people would tell me I'm smart more often. (laughs) Because I am, but the only people that really tell me that is my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is fair. That is fair. But and other yeah. people do in a way that they're like, "Oh, you're like actually kind of smart." More like, like surprise. It's less of a compliment <laughs> yeah. and more just like a oh, backhanded oh, compliment. Oh. Like you don't look like you would be smart, so this is weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's crazy! You're actually smart. You look like you would be so fucking dumb. Yeah, like, I have. To, I definitely have like you. the dumb blonde look going on though so i guess i understand Uh, unfortunately because that's like media like 
blonde girl not smart basically is just a yeah and I also think I do kind of have like a baby face so I think that with the blonde hair like I just look kind of young ish I'm not gonna say I look super young 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 and naive yeah young blonde and dumb I guess I guess keep them on their toes yeah most people yeah I think most of like the compliments I get at this point in time are from things that I have already done like on work projects or like on random things like that mostly just like work projects and then like random things with parents but like most of it's just like oh you did a good job on that and I'm like cool thanks and that makes me uh iffy sometimes because I'm always iffy on like the work that I do because a lot of it's self-taught and I'm like cool thanks like I hope it still works for you next week (laughs) yeah you're like I hope this uh this lasts (laughs) yeah I hope this lasts and uh so it's just a lot of that but yeah well I know people tell me um which I mean honestly people if you want to be nice you could leave a review and say it yourself but I know people tell me that they like the way you tell stories so I mean I feel like that's a compliment I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Everyone's like, Kirsten can't get words out half the time, but. (laughs) I am just an excellent reader. Yeah, I'm not, but we've already discussed that. So you weren't here for last week's, and I talked about MKUltra, but I'm trying to think about what I talked about that, like, you weren't here for, because honestly, I don't remember. I guess I could skim over my notes real fast. So, when the CIA got a hold of the paperwork and the hypnosis and all of that stuff, and they were like, mind control, let's do it. And then, so also when the OSS dissolved, many of the old members started working for the CIA, except for Wild Bill Donovan, the one I talked about in the first um, MK Ultra thing. He didn't make the cut because they felt like he was just too wild. Which, I mean, he's only got he, shot in the he butt. He was too much. He was too much. <laughs> yeah. And then Alan Dulles, he was the... Oh, so Alan Dulles was in the OSS and he got moved to the CSI. And they were supposed to be operated, but not under the government influence. So, like, that's kind of why... Like, the whole thing of the CIA is, like, they're not supposed to be political really which i'm sure they kind of are but like yeah they're at they're, they try to not be political yeah that, i feel like everywhere you go gets political but even like the things extent, that were political but... about i'm sure they're like brushing under the wet rug because they're like we're cutting toes off over here we don't exactly. care about abortions <laughs> we don't uh, care about guns <laughs> we don't care about anyone's rights no <laughs> they're like it's small potatoes <laughs> So then, right after the war, they had Operation Paperclip, and they went to Germany to suppress the black market and try to find, well, that was, like, their reasoning, was to suppress the black market in Germany, which, like, I don't know what kind of black market was there and why you needed to go to another country to fix it, but okay. Um, But essentially, they went there to try and find as many high-ranked Nazis as possible, and when they would get them... They would bring them over here, give them new names, 
whole new families wipe their things clean and be like, hey, you're like a really top scientist chemistry person because like you invented gas chambers. Do you want to come work for us? And then they're hey, like, I really like the work that you did over there in the concentration <laughs> camp. He felt thought about bringing that over to America. <laughs> like you were on something. Um, I mean, like we couldn't publicly say that, but like you were. <laughs> so they really didn't care about like the politics of it all. They were just more like, well, apparently these scientists didn't care about the politics of it all. They were about the science of it all. Which I'm like, so I... you're just a piece of shit because you didn't care who you were torturing just as long as you oh, got yeah. to do it. A hundred percent. Like, some of the scientists are... I honestly... When you get to, like, some level of being smart, you just, like, lose emotions. Yeah. So, like, they're, like, really smart people, and they stop thinking about, like, oh, this is a human being in front of me, and they're more like, oh, well, like, there's a chance that I might be able to save more, or that I might have my name on a building somewhere, and then they just kind of are like, eh. Yeah. Which, I mean, this I get that. subject it makes, Well, and also, like, once you get so far into it, like... Life kind of, I feel like, would be meaningless in a way as far as to, like, figuring out why stuff is the way it is and, like, what you can accomplish with science. And you look at evolution and shit. I'm sure if you get too far into it, it all just kind of becomes. Oh, yeah. Like, in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, who cares if I murder, like, 17 people? In the grand scheme of things, like, nothing changes. And that's, like, people will justify themselves. People will justify whatever they're doing anywhere. So yeah. it makes sense that scientists are like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm only killing prisoners, so it's okay. Yeah. And, like, they just don't care what they're being imprisoned for, I guess. I don't know. So these were actual, literal mad scientists, which, okay. They, they did something. They had the idea to originally use psychoactive drugs and use them for mind control. We were trying to do mind control, but the hallucination part we took from the Nazis. Interesting. They're like, I guess, yeah. Oh, well, we've had good ideas with, or good, good work mind controlling people before by giving them hallucinations which i mean i guess like if you just dissociate somebody from real life i feel like it'd be so hard though it would have to be like one in a million of a person that could do that because most people would just go crazy after so many bad experiences tripping balls Mm -hmm. well yeah psychosis is a thing but also like if, the, if their entire life mission is to, like, bring this person back down, I feel like people could do it. I mean, they tried for a minute, and it, it didn't work, um, apparently. <laughs> Appar- <laughs> Allegedly, they stopped in 70-something, but I don't know. They might so. have stopped that specific experiment. It's like, oh, we'll, we'll skip the hallucinogens to make people compliant. Or, like, I don't know. Because, like, acid trips versus mushroom trips are different, are they not? Mm-hmm. So, like, maybe they just switch to a different 
one kind of trip, a different kind of hallucination. Yeah, they're like a toenail fungus works better. I don't know. We learned that if we cultivate the <laughs> mushrooms and other humans, then they're like, if this guy had a real bad foot fetish and he sucked the wrong toe. <laughs> oh my god, that is no, no. All the foot fetish people are like, ew. <laughs> Imagine, like, don't say imagine. that. Imagine. <laughs> They're like, they couldn't help themselves because it was such a beautiful foot, but it had foot fungus. Yeah, I don't know if feet that have foot fungi are beautiful, but. Oh, yeah, I have athlete's foot in my mouth. Sorry. <laughs> Match with somebody who you didn't know had that fetish. You get athlete's foot in your mouth just from kissing them. Damn. <laughs> Like, <laughs> it probably won't happen, but the chance... Well, I don't even know. Can athletes put, like, say in your mouth? I don't, I don't know. know. But if it your can, mouth is a wet that's place. a real fear. Yeah. So I don't see why not. Oh, God. <sighs> I'm sure Google A different kind of a horror podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, we brought over... The, Ger- the Nazi Germans, and it's like, hey, work for us. So some of those were working on biowarfare to end the war, which isn't that like chemical warfare versus biowarfare. So I think I could be very, very wrong. Chemical warfare and biowarfare, I think, can overlap. But chemical okay. is like any kind of like, like, I feel like napalm would be like kind of like chemical warfare. Yeah, it is. But, yeah, and so it's, like, things that, like, just do a bunch of damage that are, like, chemical-based, like, if it's, like, throwing acid on people, but, like, bio-warfare is more, it's like, like you give everyone, yeah, you give everyone a sickness, basically. Okay, that's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. I think... I have no idea. I'm going to make up the rules myself, and we're just going to pretend like I'm right. <laughs> well, I think you are. Um, because I, I thought I, I knew what biowarfare was, and then when I was listening to one of the podcasts, they were talking about spreading a disease, and they were like, chemical yeah. warfare. And I'm like, but wouldn't that be bio, or am I wrong? See, that's what I would think. I, in my mind, I think like biowarfare is when it's more about spreading it to a bunch of people like a than sickness. it is about yeah than it is about like just death because like mustard gas and like chloroform gas or is i think it's chloroform i don't know chloride gas like that kind of thing where they just like are like we're going to kill a bunch of people here indiscriminately like i feel like that's chemical warfare and if it's like oh hey Native Americans who are being nice to us. Do you want these smallpox yeah, blankets? That's like bio. that's bio warfare. Okay, that makes sense. Spraying a city with some like a chemical, like a chemical to make people sick, but in a different kind of sick would be chemical, not bio, because it's not an if, actual disease. Yeah, if the chemical itself causes damage and you having direct exposure to that chemical hurts you then i feel like that's chemical warfare okay and if something's released where like you can be infected by people who have been infected and it can spread beyond like the initial site that's what i think is bio 
Now I could have looked this up. Uh, I either of us could have during this, but I'm going to right. choose to believe I'm right and uh, send a comment that I won't read. And sorry, I'll read it. Send a comment that I won't accept if you disagree. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It sounds correct to me. It makes sense logically, and I feel like we're both pretty logical people. So yeah, that's um, the problem, though. Is like it makes sense logically, but it could still be very wrong because it's just. Well, then they need to change the rules. Exactly. That's how it is. <laughs> I'm rewrite more the rules right than whoever invented this earlier. So if you guys could I just mean, be on the same page. Honestly, if they right. were Nazis, I'm going to say yeah, you are more right. <laughs> so, um, but one thing that they did was. A pigeon bomb, they would blow a pigeon up over a city that had spurs infected with different kinds of germs. So, like, that would be bio-warfare to make everyone sick. They would breed and infect mosquitoes with yellow fever to try and, I don't know, set them free to make everyone sick. Which, like, that stuff is so hard. Like, you're like, okay, we're going to do this to end the war. That's so hard to like due to specifically nazis like you do that and like a mosquito's not gonna be like that's a nazi yeah it's like very just like we're killing everyone in this area yeah it's just like uh yellow fever does not discriminate so i mean i I am not gonna remember her name but there was a person way back in like Vikingish time that was she was later recognized as a saint and I am so sad that I can't remember her name but anyway at one point in time like these people killed her husband and then she kept like just doing shit to fuck with them after but they didn't have like messengers back then and so people just kept thinking like oh the people we sent there earlier just aren't back yet or are chilling in town with them and have been accepted but anyway um they're like we'll i'll forgive you if i get like one gold and a pigeon from every household in your area what a weird request yeah and so it was like a little like monetary but they're like oh just like a bird and everyone thought that she was like being really nice and like forgiving and it was like an act of mercy and then she tied burning shit like she lit all of the birds on fire and then released them near the city and all of them because they are like looking for safety went to the houses where they came from and so she basically had like targeted attack birds that she used just to like burn the city that's wild because that makes sense that they would go back to where they came from yeah, and so I have no idea if that's even close in the scenario, but it just made me think of it. It makes they, sense like, with birds. Things. I don't know yeah, about not mosquitoes. As much mosquitoes. I feel like mosquitoes die too quickly, and like the world must be so big for them. I think that's why they were trying, but like malaria, mosquitoes carry, right? Yeah, but they just don't have like a memory, is what I'm thinking. Oh, like, yeah, like I don't think a mosquito's like I want to go back to that place I ran into a bunch of humans yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't know how long their lifespan is. <laughs> um, so part of the reason that they took all the scientists was because they were like, we are trying to keep them away from the Soviets. So the the Soviets don't have these mad scientists on their side. 
we're going to wipe their slates clean and they're going to come on our side, which I a little bit understand in a way, but like, couldn't you have not just imprisoned them instead of like giving them jobs at homes? Yeah. I feel like people wouldn't, and I've like, I'm not saying that this is the correct decision. Like we don't need Nazi science. We would be fine. But I think like, if you keep somebody as a prisoner, like if like I was in prison and they're like, Hey, go do your job that you've been doing for years. I'm like, no, fuck you. <laughs> I'm but, in like, prison. If they I'm were, not going to do that. If they were torturing you, just regular old tor- like I have a high pain tolerance, but I don't want to be in pain. So if someone threatens me with violence, I'm probably going to do it because I would just like, fair but also like people that are like higher up in the military have like some weird mental resolve i think that they would kill themselves at the first opportunity they got to i think if they're regular doing research like if i was a prisoner and i got taken and they're like go work for like north korea to build like bombs and i'm like no i don't want to and then they just tortured the shit out of me like at some point you've got to be like they're probably gonna do that again if i don't get the results that they want and then i feel like regular people would would just kill themselves yeah Mm -hmm. but like these scientists are not regular people that is fair. They could, well, and that could be, like, the readily agreeing to, like, they might just be like, oh, yeah, I get to torture more people while you keep me in prison? That's fine. Like, and I think that would be fine. I think that would be fine if we were to keep them in prison, but we're like, we'll set you up with a whole house in Texas and you and your family can start <laughs> over again. We'll just send you to Texas and you Which can I do mean, whatever you want. In my head makes sense. Out of all the states, I feel like that's probably where they belong the most. Nah, Florida. I feel like it would be Florida. Like, that's where all the crazy people are. Yeah, but, like... I just feel like there are some crazy people in Texas that are just keeping it real secretive. That is I just have a feeling that Texas is a wild place. That's a big area. Honestly, a lot of open land and not a ton of people that want to go there except for everyone that's moving there now. But like back in the day, no one. Well, they moved there there. and then they moved. Then they moved out within these past couple months. A lot of them have been leaving again. Oh, have they? Oh no! I from from a TikTok study, which I mean, what is that? It's nothing. It could be wrong. It probably is wrong. I believe in it. (laughs) I choose to trust in our TikTok overlords. Uh, Okay. Also. But really, we took the Nazis because they had so much knowledge, so much knowledge that the U.S. could only dream of, Um, like gas chambers. And we are Irish talked about that and just stuff like that. So 700 Nazis at the least came into the U.S. with clean records and new names. And they there was no just like. Oh, there wasn't like a limit of the bad things that you could have done that would have got you denied. If you were agreeing to the U.S.'s terms, even if you like literally ran the concentration camps, the U.S. was like, you're fine. You can come in. Uh, you're fine. You'll be reformed. You want a new I'm name? Sure. 
We're gonna call you Jack. We're gonna give you a new name anyway. Yeah. So there was a guy in Italy. He was like, "Fuck the fascist people," which like. Yeah, makes sense. He just outwardly was speaking against it, and so the government kidnapped him. He was, like, a priest, high up, whatever, tortured him, got him to a coarse confession out of him, and then the the U.S. was like, there's no way that he would have admitted all that unless they were using mind control. So that means we have to do mind control. And so they're like, ah, well, you know, he never would have said it unless there's mind control. Yeah. So mind like control regular is old possible. fucking torture didn't work. And our enemies are doing it, so we're allowed to. Oh, so I was wrong. It was Hungary, not Italy. So Fair, fair. Makes more sense. I thought, was Italy on our side? I have no idea. Back then, Italy's been through some shit, so. Italy has been, been, it's an old country. They've been through some stuff, so. Um, and that's why we were like, yeah, I guess it's okay if we do testing. So in 1943, LSD was invented. I think this is kind of more fun. This is the fun part of it. Um, by Dr. Albert Hoffman in Switzerland, he used ergot, which is a psychoactive fungi that grows on Y, which is also possibly the reason why we had all the Salem witch trials, because all the contaminated rye in Salem. And that's why people were losing their minds. Um, his original intention was meant for a respiratory and circulatory drug that was having negative effects on women's wombs or something so he was like we should fix this for women which honestly back then pretty progressive honestly this just shows us that anytime <laughs> we decide to focus on women's issues we get fun new things out of it <laughs> exactly um so it sat for five years before he came back to it and in the processing and handling of it he discovered that it makes you fucking feel funny for <laughs> trip balls because he got a little Trippy drop on his little fingertips. Um, and then he was like, you know what? We're going to fuck around and find out. And he took 250 micrograms um, just to test it out. He's like, if we're going to test it out, I'm going to test it out on myself. And 30 minutes, he was like, eh, a little, little something, something, but like not that much. So he's like, well, I'm going to head home. And he hopped on his bike on the way home. Then he's like, damn, I'm starting to feel something and this is on april 19th which is known as bicycle day um but it's not to celebrate bicycles it's to celebrate acid (laughs) i love it the first lsd driven bike ride is a holiday (laughs) it is and it's funny because if anyone's like it's national bicycle day and it's like someone that you know is like super into cycling and doesn't do drugs and you're in your head you're like that's not that's not, that's not what not we're talking about. But I'm glad we both can we can both can celebrate, but we'll be celebrating very different ways. <laughs> yeah. Then so he wrote down some stuff. He said dizziness, visual disruptances, the faces of those present seemed vividly colored and grimacing, powerful motor disturbances alternating with for paralysis. My head body and limbs felt heavy as if they were filled with metal cramps in the calves 
hands cold and without sensation, and a metallic taste of the tongue, dry and constricted throat, a feeling of suffocation, confusion, alteration, and with clear recognition of my situation, in which I fell outside myself as a neutral observer, as I half crazily cried and muttered indistinctively. So he did not have a great time. I mean, at least, like, other people, like, nowadays have, like, kind of expectations to go into it. But, like, if you're a scientist and you take this random experimental drug that you had and it starts making you feel weird, I can see how that's, like, bad yeah. trip territory. Well, especially because, like, you took it because you got a little bit on your fingers and it made you feel a little funny. So then you're, like, Egh! down it and then you're, like, mm. On your way home on your bicycle, you start tripping balls. Um, so I think, like, something happened. Okay, also, I guess the standard dose now, so, like, what I assume is on, like, the little paper tablet things, is 60 micrograms. So he took... Oh, he took, like, a triple dose. <laughs> yeah. And then, he took, for like, the very first time... A quadruple dose. Oh, no. Yeah, no, you're right. Oh, God. Which I know some people do, and if you're a bigger person, like, drugs, you need more. If you're smaller, you need less. Like, that's a thing. So I'm assuming he's a dude. He's probably, like, probably a little taller, but still, first time? First time has no idea what's gonna happen. Like, I I don't feel like even, like, bigger people. Like, I've never taken LSD before. If I ever do, I'm not gonna be like, I'm a bigger dude. (laughs) Let me take twice the amount, let alone, like, four times like i said he didn't ever wanted it to be used for ill intent but once it once it reached other people they're like "Ooh, this could be like a weapon yeah like fucks people up in the brain and i think uh the nazis were the people i could be wrong with these are the people that wanted to do this but i think that seems right they wanted to drug entire entire fucking towns and like towns, cities, villages, whatever it was back then, so that people were so distorted that it would have been easier for the military to go in and take over with less bloodshed. Uh, but like in theory, it seems like a good idea, right? But also in like, my head, I'm like, was this the Nazis? Because they wanted less bloodshed. So I feel like it wasn't the Nazis. It was us. We're just trying to be like, ah, oh, nah, they did it. But no, like. <laughs> In theory, if it's, like, actually, no. Like, less bloodshed. Germans were, like, if you are anti-Germany, we will kill you. Or more of, like, they were just kind of racist. Yeah. And very, like, elitist, like, strong German blood people. But I could see, like, people don't want to kill people for the most part. Like... Mm. And so, like, not, I I feel like if you took, like, all soldiers who have had to kill people, like, people on the front lines, I would say most of them wouldn't, like, be itching to do it again. I think people are, because I have known people, I just know a bunch of psychos. I'm just going to come out and say this. A lot of the people I talk to are lunatics. It is what it is. I, I think that that may be the issue. Anyway, I'm attracting lunatics. But one person that I talked to was telling me that 
they they were joining the military and part of the reason that they were is because they wanted to kill people but they knew that if they were to do it they'd want to do it again and the military is like the most logical re- like if you kill people it's legal it's like kind of more moral rather than just like <laughs> Dude, this now- man just told you that <laughs> He just came out and said it. It wasn't just like you caught him killing rats and he's like, I have to join the military. No, he didn't like hurting animals. He didn't like hurting animals. He's just like, yeah, I want to kill somebody. And I would have just, you know, driven to the the nearest big city and killed somebody random. But then I would have wanted to do it again. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that one, Kirsten. <laughs> I hope How I've you... made it alive out of a lot of these situations is beyond me. Like, I personally think I make bad decisions where I put too much trust in people, but I don't think I could take... Yeah, I not only want to kill people, I definitely want to kill multiple people. I don't know how to take that, like, a good way. <laughs> We were drinking a lot, so <laughs> Very, <laughs> I'll leave it. To, it was also on my birthday. <laughs> no, happy birthday! I want to murder people. <laughs> like I won't kill you though, because if I kill somebody here, you know. Oh, he liked me, me too much. He wouldn't have killed me. <sighs> Isn't that like the thing though? Like it's like the top prize at the end of the line. No, I think it was more like a violence thing and more of like um, a toxic masculinity thing. Like, I want to beat the shit out of somebody, but I And then they like accidentally die. die. And then I enjoy it. And then I'm just going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, is it any any better? No, but it makes it, I believe it more now. (laughs) I could see more people being like that. Like, oh, and he's I, in the military now, so. <laughs> yeah. I have friends that are just like, I want to be in a fight. Like, if there's an opportunity for a fight to come up, they will instigate it so that they can be in a fight. So I could definitely see, like, people escalating that shit. Yeah, that was funny. Um, so President Truman authorized the research for the CIA to do this. I'll just keep doing this for the next three episodes, honestly, though, because I mean, MK Ultra is like, kind of a big thing, though. It's kind of hard to just wrap it up in a small. Yeah, it's like so a lot of little it. things that have added up over like years yeah. and years and years, like a snowball effect. Exactly. Like we didn't just like be like drugs. That's no. They weren't just like ah oh, yeah we're gonna go straight into drugging everyone. It was a little snowball effect. A little bit of... They were just in a silly, goofy mood that day. In a lot of days. Just the CIA is always in a silly, goofy mood. <laughs> They're just, you know, <laughs> being crackheads. So does the CIA work in the Pentagon? I have no idea. I want to say no. But also, Who works in the I Pentagon? can't think of where, what it is. Because the FBI has a bunch of offices. I feel like there is something in the CIA. I am sniffly. These allergies. The George Bush Center of for Intelligence. Oh, I got a list of 
I got a whole list of agencies that work in it. It says the Department of the Army, Department of the Navy, Department of the Air Force, National Security Agency, Defense Intelligence Agency, National Geospatical Intelligence Agency. Don't know what that means. And National Reconnaissance Office. What the fuck does that mean? It's like uh, recon, like scouting. Military observation of region to locate an enemy or... Assertion you know how like, they're like, you, you, no one's used the term recon. Is that like more of a gamer thing? It's basically like, I'm going to go like try to get information. I'm going to go try to. So I do have two stories ready. We'll see how long it takes me to get through the first one. This is the disappearance. I really hope I didn't talk about this before. Of the Sodder children in West Virginia. You didn't. Beautiful. So, on Christmas Eve in 1947, a fire destroyed the home of George and Jenny Sodder in Fayetteville, West Virginia. Nine of their ten children also were still living in the house at the time. Four of them escaped with the parents, but the other five children were never found. Um, despite like an extensive search of the burnt out homes. And like they didn't find like bones or like anything from them. And then there was a lot of little weird things that like they found out that kind of like led up to them going missing like there was a lot of like weird like the telephone cable was cut and so they couldn't like call the fire department right away um none of the vehicles on the property started when they tried to like leave to go get help did it say why they don't didn't start it kind of goes into like detail but it's just like the general basis and then also, there was a ladder that was on the side of the house to, like, help people that were, like, higher up get out. And that had been removed and discarded. And all of this was, like, pretty shortly, um, at, like, before the fire. So, just a general outline on the Sodder family. Um, George Sodder, the father, was born in Italy. Um, and he emigrated to the USA in 1908 with his older brother. Um, his older brother quickly returned home. Um, like basically got to America and was like, nah, can't do it back to Italy. Um, which they landed in New York, New York. So it's understandable. Anyway, George started working in Pennsylvania, um, ended up meeting his wife, Jenny Cipriani, Um, who also emigrated from Italy, Um, not together, but just another Italian immigrant. Um, And then they got married, moved to Fayetteville, all that fun stuff. They had, in 1923, they they did well in their business and had the first of their 10 children. And then the last child they had 20 years later in 1943. So they have children every couple of years. So... In 1943, their children were John, 23, Marion, 17, George Jr., 16, 
Maurice, 14, Martha, 12, Louis, 9, Jenny, 8, and then Sylvia, who was the youngest at just two years old. So I'm guessing Sylvia wasn't as planned as the other ones, because it's always, like, one or two years in between, and then there's, like, a six-year break. Yeah, which, I mean, like, how much planning is there in the 40s? Honestly, true, true. It could just be, like, uh, we thought she was too old to bear children. Well, and also, you think about people back then had a lot of kids because a lot of them died, so they're like, well, we need to have uh, a lot, so at least a c- couple make it. So at like, least a couple I'm pretty sure my grandma it. has, like, an absurd amount of siblings. Like, I think they had, like, 12 kids or something. <laughs> uh, Yeah, I think my mom has a decent amount. Like, I don't think it's in the double digits, but probably, like, eight, maybe nine. Which is still a lot. Yeah, but like my dad's dad had a lot of kids and like my mom's mom had like a lot of kids. And it's just like, you can't, you can't, I don't know how you deal with that. I would cry. I bet they did. But uh, probably, honestly. Well, I mean like. (laughs) They were allowed to take heroin over the counter. (laughs) Honestly. But uh, back in the good old days when women were just there to have children and serve people. But like, um, so anyway, all of their children, second oldest son, um, Joe wasn't there. He had um, been in, he'd left home to go serve in the military during World War One and still wasn't back yet. So George had really strong views about his homeland, um, about like Italy, and expressed strong opposition to the Italian fascist dictator Benito Mussolini. Okay, pause, because we were just talking about Italy in the 40s and if they were like really something. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure so, they were on the Nazi side. I, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm getting that a little more now, yeah. Yeah. Coincidentally... <laughs> Because, <laughs> uh, yeah, Mussolini definitely rings some bells as, like, one of A the psychos. Guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he had those strong opinions. And in October of 1945, so um, same year, but like two months before the, inc- before the fire, a visiting life insurance salesman warned George that his house would, quote-unquote, would go up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed attributing this to the dirty remarks you have been making about Mussolini. So he was against Mussolini? Yeah, uh, George was against Mussolini. The Sodder family? Yeah. And, I and think this was like a very heavily he Italian community, right? Um, That I do not know. The I think it was. Yes, yep. A large population of Italian immigrants. So yeah, it was a very heavily Italian area and so there's probably people that support them and people that don't but like something weird is happening just life insurance salesman's like your house might burn down two months before it happened yeah so honestly so another visitor to the house came looking for work warned george that a pair of fuse boxes in the back would cause a fire someday And George was surprised at the comment just because he had just had the house rewired because they had an electric stove installed. 
and the local electric company is like, yep, you're all good here. But like some random dude's just like, oh, those fuse boxes are going to cause a fire. And in the weeks before Christmas um, that year, George's oldest son had also noticed a strange car parked along the main highway through town. Said its occupants were watching the younger Sodder children as they returned home from school. Ugh, I don't like that. No. So, the 1945 Sodder house fire. Um, They spent Christmas Eve together as a family, and at 10 p.m., Jenny, the mom, told the children that they could stay up a little later as long as the two oldest boys... um, who were still awake, remembered to put the cow pull, put the cows in and feed the chickens before going to bed. Old farm thing. Go do your chores before you go to bed. Stay up as late as you want. Just do your chores. I couldn't imagine feeding chickens and cows at night. Honestly, I, it would freak me out. Uh, animals freak me out, like big animals. So, like, I a cow, like, at night would make me think of, like, Wendigo. Like, I can only yeah. see your eyes. So, George and the two oldest boys, who were already asleep, had spent the day working, and so they were they were already out by 10 p.m. And um, Jenny took Sylvia upstairs with her, and they went to bed together. So, like, half the kids are asleep, half of them were, like, still going to be awake at 10 p.m. So... Surprisingly, the telephone rang at 12.30 a.m. on Christmas Day, December 25th, so a couple hours later, and Jenny was woken up and went downstairs to answer it. The caller was an unknown woman asking for a name that she was not familiar with, with the sound of laughter and clinking glasses in the background. So like a party? Yeah, so, like, in my mind, it's, like, a prank. Yeah, like, a Christmas party, Christmas Eve party. Like, nowadays, I would think, like, oh, prank caller. Like, they're at a party, and they're, like, let's dial some random phone numbers. Yeah. But anyway, Jenny had hung up thinking that the mysterious caller had a weird laugh. Like, she kind of, like, made note, like, that person laughed weirdly. Investigators later located the woman who had made the call, and she confirmed that it what had been like a wrong number on her part like she claimed like oh it was just a wrong number after this phone call jenny got up and checked the house and noticed that the lights were still on downstairs and the curtains were not drawn two things that children normally dealt with when they stayed up later than their parents and so she like went and looked and she saw that marion had fallen asleep on the living room couch So Jenny assumed that the other children who had stayed up later had gone back up to the attic where they slept. Because they had like 18 children, they just sleep in the attic. Yeah. Um, So she closed the curtains, turned out the lights, and went to bed. At 1am, so like half an hour after this phone call, she was woken up again by the sound of an object hitting the house's roof with a loud bang and then a rolling noise. After hearing nothing further, she just went back to sleep thinking like, oh, bird ran into it, like animals outside, just something weird. And then another half an hour after that, she woke up again and smelled smoke. 
she found that the room um, George used for his office was on fire around the telephone line and fuse box. So, like, that area was just on fire. She quickly woke George um, up, and he woke up his older children. So, George, Jenny, Marion, Sylvia, John, and George Jr. escaped the burning building, but the younger children who were in the attic had not been able to get out. They tried to reach them, but the stairway was on fire, and so they couldn't, like, get up there. They couldn't pass it. John said in his first police interview after the fire that he went up to the attic to alert his brothers and sisters sleeping there. Later, though, he changed his story to say that he only called up there and didn't, like, actually see him. So when John, which is the older son first was interviewed he's like oh yeah like i went up there to wake them up and then later he's just like oh i just called up there i didn't like see them up there yeah george the father climbed up the wall of the house and broke open an attic window trying to like get to them and he cut his arm in the process he said he and his sons intended to use a ladder to the attic to rescue the other children but it wasn't in its usual spot resting against the house and couldn't be found anywhere. Like the ladder that they've had for forever just gone. Was moved, yeah. Yep. A water barrel full of water that could have been used to extinguish the fire outside of the house was frozen solid. Which I mean, that's kind of outside of anyone's hands. Yeah, and but like, yeah, no. Frozen completely solid. And I mean, it's like December, so it's just like, <laughs> that kind of fucking sucks. An Iceman came An and ice froze man. it. You just see some dude putting ice cubes in the water. <laughs> anyway, and then George then tried to pull up the trucks that he'd used in his business trip. Or he used in his business up to the house and then like used them to climb into the attic window. But neither of them would start despite having worked perfectly during the previous day. So both cars just not starting anymore. Said, for some reason, the phone in their house didn't work either. So Marion ran to a neighbor's to call the fire department. Says the neighbor who saw the blaze made a call from a nearby tavern as well. But again, no operator responded. So like... Two people tried to call, and no one responded. Exasperated, the neighbor who was at the bar, or at the tavern, drove into town and tracked down the fire chief himself. He drove into town, hammered as fuck. And was yeah, like, and it was just like, like where's fire. the fireman? Honestly, <laughs> and, I accept that one and only time. <laughs> And maybe we can pretend that it, eh, it was a different time. There was a, there were no cars on the road. The car could only go like 15 miles an hour. Well, people, I don't know, like when drinking and driving laws came in, but. Oh, he's fine. Anyway, so the fire chief initiated a like phone tree system where each person, like one firefighter called another firefighter, called another firefighter, basically until like everyone was there. The fire department was only two and a half miles away from the Sodder's house. The so fire not kind far of started at all. not far at all. 
Fire I'm pretty sure I have one two miles from my house. Yeah, like not super crazy. The smoke and everything started at like one thirty, maybe like two, two thirty by the time like it really like caught on fire on fire, like the whole house. The crew from the fire department didn't arrive until eight AM. By which point the Sodder's home had basically just been destroyed. Like it had yeah. been on fire for like half the night. The Sodders outside the house were forced to watch in despair as the house just burned down during the next couple of hours with the remaining family inside. They had assumed that their other five children had just died in the fire. So the fire department was undermanned because of World War II and relied basically on slow um, fire, like on volunteer firefighters and they said that and the chief the main like fire chief said that the already slow response was further hampered by his inability to drive the fire truck so he was also drunk as fuck oh i was thinking that he just didn't know how no i've i imagine that he would normally be able to drive it he was just hammered he was just hammered and he said requiring that he wait until somebody who could drive was available so, like, first hammered dude went into town, got him. But then he's like, I'm too hammered to drive. And then who knows how long it was before another firefighter came. But it's just weird that, like, it I took that long point. and was... Like, if it's literally hours, I don't think... I think even, like, you have to weigh the benefits and outcome. It's like... That yeah. fire has been burning now for, like, two hours while we're trying to wait for somebody to show up. Like, we should just go. Yeah. Also, can, like, is a fire truck really hard, that hard to drive? Like, if it's I not can... because he was drunk, if it's because he, like, genuinely didn't know how to drive it? I feel like a truck is a truck. And beyond, like, no, if there's a weird way to start it, I feel like you would just be able to drive it. I was like, just imagining that they'd be, like, it, a but... semi. Yeah, and I feel like you can drive a semi. Not well, but, like, I feel like we could drive a semi. I don't think I could drive a semi. Aren't semis, like, stick shifts? No, are they? I don't know. Maybe I'm making that up. I'll come with some fun facts at the end of this. Perfect, perfect. The firefighters, one of whom was a brother of Jenny's, so, like, the wife's brother, so all of these were his little nieces and nephews, could do little but look through the ashes and try to, like, dampen down the heat. By 10 a.m., Chief Morris had told the Sodders that they had not found any bones, as might have been expected if the other children in the house had been burned. This search and investigation must have been limited at best. Nevertheless, Morris believed that the five unaccounted for children had died in the fire, suggesting that it had been hot enough to completely burn their bodies. A state police inspector went through the rubble and attributed the fire to faulty wiring, which, like, earlier that year, he had just gotten everything rewired and certified by the state. And the family covered the basement with five feet of dirt, intending to preserve the site as a memorial, but the Sodders had begun to worry, wonder if their children were still alive. So, the local coroner conveyed an inquest that concluded that the fire was an accident caused by faulty wiring. 
the jurors included the man who had threatened George, the people that like voted like, yeah, that was just faulty wiring. Yeah, was the one of the people on the jurors jury was like the person that said that his house would be burned down. Oh, and I feel like they shouldn't have even been part of the jury. No, like they should not have been involved in that like decision that it was it's like, oh yeah, I burnt down that house, of course I'm gonna vote that it was an accident by faulty wiring. Death certificates were issued December 30th. So like four days later, they issued out death certificates for the children. And they had a funeral early in the next year. The Sodders never rebuilt after the fire and built a memorial garden on the site. And then in the 1950s, so like five years later, it started to come into doubt that the children had perished. And so the family had ended up buying a billboard at the site um, alongside Route 16 with pictures of the five children and order, uh, offering a reward for information. And it had remained in place until shortly after Jenny Sodder's death in 1989. So it was, a billboard was up for like 40, 30, 40 years. Was it like, so, have you seen these children? Exactly. It's like, have you seen these? Do you have any information? And I think, I don't know if age progression was a thing back then, if they could be like, draw them early. I don't think it was. Probably I don't think until like the 2000s. So the Sodder pointed out like all the weird shit that was happening beforehand. And George disputed the fire department's findings that the fire was caused by an electrical fault. Because he had just had it rewired and inspected. But they had thought that it was arson. Which had been, which led to theories that the children had been taken by the Sicilian, Sicilian mafia, perhaps in retaliation for George's outspoken criticism of Mussolini and the fascist government. State and federal efforts to investigate the case further in the early 1950s, so like five years later, six years later, yielded no new evidence. Here's just like a list on the fire that just like doesn't make sense. Where were the children's bodies? Some remains would be expected to be found and, like, to be completely incinerated into ashes is crazy. If the fire was caused by an electrical problem, why did the family's Christmas lights remain on throughout the fire's early stages when the power should have gone out? Like, if there was a fire in the wiring it would probably like burn through the wiring first so how could the power have stayed on that makes sense why did the ladder go missing from the house yeah and they later found it at the bottom of a little embankment 75 feet away so someone full on through that ladder and yeeted it off to the fucking side yeah it was just like they carried it out threw it away somebody had removed it like, that didn't imagine, just roll off. I just imagine Popeye tossing a ladder. Yeah, on just <laughs> over the shoulder, can of spinach, just fucking tossing it miles. Why didn't, why wouldn't the Sodders' two vehicles start? The Sodders' truck's failure to start was thought by the family to be caused by somebody tampering with them. And then another one of the son-in-laws of the family said that he started to believe that the, they might have, like, 
tried to start their car too fast and might have flooded the engines on both of them if they were like in a panic. Which I don't know, like were cars that fragile back in the day? Like if you tried to start them? Um, I don't think so. I don't know. In the cold, maybe it'd be different if it was like a super windy or something. Yeah. But also, if he's someone that like gets his stuff checked out regularly, um, then I feel like no matter the yeah, time, he would be able to start the car. Like, why did another weird thing was that the solders themselves bulldozed the site. Like they put all the dirt on there, got rid of the house very quickly before the official investigation ended. So there's a little bit weird with like with the solder parents too. And then what had caused the telephone to become inoperable? Like they had gotten that one random like misdial phone call like an hour before. And when they later tried to call the fire department, it wasn't there. I have a word on the semi thingy. Because I assume fire trucks are similar to semis. Some are automatic. Some aren't. They're not easy to drive. I said, in an emergency, if someone caught off my fingers and all that was around was a semi, could I drive it? And the answer is no. (laughs) If somebody cut off all of your fingers... If somebody cut off your hands, you wouldn't be able to drive anything. <laughs> you could, you could, but he, that wasn't my point. It was like in the case of an emergency. Can you rephrase like somebody cut <laughs> off all of my friend's fingers and I had to drive them? Well, he said that it takes a couple months before you get the hang of it. And he said, if you were to see one, you would know. That, like, Makes you, sense. you couldn't drive it. You can't just initially do it. You can't it. just hop in in an emergency and just But I feel like the fire chief had to have known. Yeah. And he said, because even if you drive a stick shift and it's a stick shift semi, the gears are entirely different. Yeah. Okay. That makes Cause sense. Because I think there's, like, 12 instead of, like, 5. Lit. Yeah. 6, maybe. I think it might be 6. It might depend on the car, too. I technically know how to drive stick shift and I don't know how many gears there are, so chew on whatever that is. There's usually five because it's usually one, two, three, four, five, reverse. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. Sometimes there's six, but those are more in like sports cars. Yeah, I literally have only uh, my one friend's car. I have one time. Anyway, a telephone repairman had told the Sodders that the house's phone line had not been burned through in the fire, as initially thought, but cut by somebody who had been willing to and able to climb 14 feet up the pole and reach two feet away from it to do so. So, like, where the line had been cut, he had to, somebody had to climb way up a pole and then lean out to cut it. A man whom neighbors had seen stealing a block and tackle from the property around the time of the fire was identified and arrested. He admitted to the theft and claimed he had been the one to cut the phone line thinking it was the power line, but denied having anything to do with the fire. However, there's no record identifying that the suspect exists. Um, And why would he have wanted to cut you any utility lines to the solder house while stealing a block and tackle from the truck had never been explained. 
That's what I was going to ask because, like, yeah. so like, and it I was a very it. heavily Italian immigrant town. So, like, did he get arrested? And before was he like coerced to be like, "Hey, take the blame for this"? And also, that would have had to happen at. So he was spotted by neighbors stealing a block and tackle from the property. It says around the time of the fire, but like it would have had to be right then because of that phone call that she got earlier. Yeah. And then also, what is that coincidence of, oh, somebody happened to rob me on the same day that my house mysteriously caught on fire? Like he was working. So like, essentially, not him, but do you think that the other, like the other uh, Italians were like part of the mafia? Yeah. Uh, there definitely probably was, like, mafia presence there. How much of it, I wouldn't be able to tell, but, like... Because the, the mafia Sicilian came mafia to America in the 1800s, so... Yeah, so, like, there was probably... There was almost definitely mafia there. Also, prank calling wasn't a thing until the 80s, and the first person in America to get arrested for drunk driving was in 1990s. Interesting. So, so you know, it wasn't real. The drunk driving wasn't real. Like it was, but, like, no one got in trouble for it. <laughs> it's kind of like how, like, I don't know, swearing in front of kids is illegal, but, like. No, oh, no one ever gets actually arrested <laughs> for it. So, the last thing is what hit the roof at 1 a.m. that woke the mom up, like, in the middle and the driver of a bus that had passed through Fayetteville late Christmas Eve said that he had seen some people throwing balls of fire at the house. Molotov cocktails! Yeah, something along those that line. A few months after the incident, when the snow had melted, one of the children's found a small, hard, dark green rubber ball-like object in the brush nearby. And George said it looked like a pineapple bomb hand grenade or some other incendiary device used in combat. Huh. The family later claimed that, contrary to the fire marshal's conclusion, that the fire had started on the roof, although there was no way to prove it because the entire house got taken down. I kind of feel like I have some ideas or thoughts. Thoughts and ideas. Thoughts and ideas. So there's a little bit more. Um, basically, like people that have been reporting seeing the missing children. One person who had been watching the fire says that she had seen some of them looking out of a passing car while the house was burning. A lot of random, like unsubstantiated claims about seeing the missing children. Um, wasn't there like a a letter? Yes, and I'm trying to see where that is. Basically, it was just a lot of, like, after... So he saw a girl in a magazine that was a picture of young ballet dancers in New York City, and one of them looked like his missing daughter. And so they drove all the way to the girl's school, where his repeated demands to see the girl himself were refused. Although I can't really fault them for that. Like, some dudes just, like... I want to see this person from the magazine, like, kind of very iffy. He was able to persuade a Washington pathologist 
to in 1949 to supervise a new search through the dirt so like four years after it happened after a thorough search they found um some artifacts including a dictionary that had belonged to the children and some random coins and they also found several small bone fragments that were unearthed that were determined to be human vertebrae but they sent it to a specialist at the Smithsonian Institute, and they were confirmed to be lumbar vertebrae, all from the same person. And they said since the the lot of technical talk, they determined that the individual was 16 or 17. Which none of their kids were that old quite. That Which missing, none of right? their kids were that old. It was, it says, given this age range, it was not very likely that the bones were from any of the five missing children since the oldest, Maurice, had only been 14 at the time. And they're saying because it had been, like, fused that they, at, like, the maximum, could be, like, 20 or... It was, like, a young child that had to, like, have happened. Newman also added that the bones showed no sign of exposure to flame. And further, he agreed that it was very strange that those were the only bones that were found. Since a wood fire of such, like, a short duration. Like, it was just a house that was on fire. It wasn't like they were burning gas or anything. Yeah. It shouldn't have vaporized people. Yeah, no. Like, people's bodies come back, like burnt and charred after a little bit being in fire like it's not like something should have completely just destroyed it yeah i found the what the letter said okay it just said um love lewis satter i love brother frankie but i think it was sent to the parents Oh, yep. In 1968, 20 yeah. years later, they had that envelope. And where and it was, was it a sent from? Photo of a man in his mid-20s. It was post- postmarked in Kentucky, but had no return address. So, like, the stamp came from Kentucky, or, like, it was dropped off in Kentucky, yeah. but there was no actual return address on there. Which people pretend to be... The missing yeah, all the time. all the time. And with it being 20 years later. Isn't it is... one of the conspiracies that they were abducted and divided between families in Italy? That, I have no idea. That was not one of the theories on here. But basically, they just, like, have no idea what happened to the children. And, like, I know some of them were, like, they would keep them for a ransom. But, like, the ransom never came. So was it really just, like, oh, this person spoke out against Mussolini and now we're going to kidnap his children to stop people from doing it in the future? Yeah. Which I think there was, like, I think one of them was... I just feel like the Italy thing was a thing. And maybe I'm making it up, but... It could be, like, another theory. It's not involved in what I had seen, but, like, there's probably an infinite amount of theories for all of this. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure, for sure. But, yes, that is what I had for my story. Thank you for listening to The Weird and Suspicious. If you have any stories, please email them to theweirdandsuspicious at gmail.com. 
Uh, follow our Instagram, the Weird and Suspicious, on Instagram and Twitter as well. And Twitter's the Weird uh, and Sus. So yes, Twitter, the Weird and Sus. Let us know if you have any stories, and we can read them, and we would love that. And that is all that I have. Yeah, don't be Am suspicious. I missing? But don't be weird. Have a good night. No, you can be weird. Just don't be suspicious. No, I'm no more weirdness. Until next <laughs> week, you're not allowed to be weird. Cut off for seven days. <laughs> be very normal for the next seven days. Thank you. Okay. Uh, Have a good night. Good night.